Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that the God you serve is a wonder-working God? Amen. I just uh, picked up a book entitled Run with the Vision, and it was a, it was a book, basically an autobiography that uh, the late Lester Summerall wrote, and um, he talked about his life as a young man and uh, actually his disdain for preachers and church, the ministry, and everything else. But when he was 17 years old, he was laying on his deathbed dying of tu- tuberculosis. And uh, it's a beautiful story. I mean, uh, the guy had been kept numerous times, even up to this point, in near-death experiences. And so the doctor came and visited the family, and, well, he'd been there often because of the condition, but on this occasion, he just told them that there wasn't anything else he could do, and within a few hours, the the boy would be dead, Lester would be dead. So he... uh, he heard as the, he'd, he'd watched the doctor walk out the door and close it many times before this, but this one here was, was different because this was it. And uh, he overheard the doctor telling his father, uh, he called him Papa, and he, he told him, he said, uh, he said I'm going to go on home and uh, if you'll stop by the office in the morning, I'll have the death, death certificate for, uh, ready and prepared for you. And so he walked out that door. And interestingly enough, you know, in that moment, now, you know, you talk about divinely granted appearances. Divinely granted. In other words, because of God's purposes. And he will visit people from time to time. And it just so happened on this occasion that within in the moment of his dying, he said he happened to look over to his, I believe it was his right, and there was a coffin there, and it was beautiful, and it was kind of pitched up so he could see inside, and there were all kind of pretty flowers and different things, and he knew it was his. It was actually fit him. It was his size. And, uh, you know, he knew that, you know, this was it. Well, then he turned and he looked the other way, and there was a Bible open and probably as big as the coffin was. And... Um, he, uh, he happened to look at it, and then he looked the other way. And in that moment, the Lord spoke to him. And he said, you have a choice, son. You can either spend the rest of your life preaching the gospel, or you can end up in that coffin and you'll go to hell. Well, now remember, he didn't like preachers. Okay? And, and, and his, the, the reticence of his, you know, this this. St- thing that he had in him is because he's seen the hypocrisy and different things of that nature and preachers and different things, and, and he, he, he hated it, you know? And the last thing that he wanted to do is be one. But he knew that he had a choice. He could either preach the gospel for the rest of his life, or he could uh, end up in that coffin, and, and he knew that he'd wind up in hell. And so there on that deathbed, he chose to preach. And it's a, it's a beautiful story because he still had issues, you know, but he had made a decision from his heart to become a follower of Jesus, and he gave his heart to the Lord. And in that moment, God reached down and touched this young man. I think he was 17 years of age and, and um, <clears throat> touched him. He said, I fell asleep asleep. 
and uh, slept while everyone else wept. And he said the next morning I woke up and I asked my mother for breakfast and she was going to get him, you know, some grapefruit or something like that. And he said, no, I don't want no more grapefruit. I've been having grapefruit forever. He said, what'd you, what'd you, what'd you uh, make Papa for breakfast this morning? He says, well, uh, he had sausage and eggs and uh, uh, biscuits with uh, red gravy or something like that. And down in the South, you know, red gravy is a big deal. Does anybody know what red gravy is? Okay, whatever. We're from the Midwest. But he said, that's what I want. And, um, and she said, oh, no, son. We, you know, you haven't had a bit, bite of solid food for whatever. He says, you know, you can't do it. The doctor told you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she says, never mind. He says, that's what I want. She says, well, you know, he told me, that told us that you're going to die anyway. You might as well die eating what you want. Well, I actually ended up with two helpings of all of it. She made it up big time, and praise God, he came up off that deathbed and preached the gospel all over the world. And uh, it's an amazing story of someone who God had chosen to make a difference in the world and a difference he made. You know, he was with, I believe it was with the assemblies, I don't know. And don't, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying because... You know, sometimes we'll make reference to different denominational preferences. And, you know, the reality is, is that <clears throat> over time, any denomination um, can become uh, powerless and form without, you know, with, uh, form without power. And um, I'm not saying that the assemblies have, have got to that place. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But uh, after he'd turned about 55, been all over the world, he came back to the United States and the, the hierarchy or whatever you want to call it of the uh, organization said, you know, Lester, you've, you've done your thing and you're done. And uh, so, you know, go sit down, basically. And he said, I went home and had a little talk with Jesus. And he said, Lord, am I done? And praise God, it's like God breathed new life into this man. And I mean to tell you that uh, you should read some of his books, powerful. He was with Howard Carter. He knew Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, quite a, quite a uh, testimony in, in, in a, uh, uh, <laughs> he's an incredible guy. He was gruff. He's almost mean. Yeah, I remember one time going, I was probably 20 years old, went to a, uh, went to a minister's conference down in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the Osfo. This is when uh, T.L. Osborne had his museum down there. And they had an auditorium price seat, about 400 people, something. You know, it might be similar to this. I don't know. Maybe not quite this big. But he was there. And I tell you what, they had praise and worship just like we always do. And all of a sudden, him and the pastor, you know, they, they came up on the platform. Man, you'd, look, you'd think that they were on a mission. They marched up there like, you know, whatever. So anyway, you know, everybody's kind of spellbound because after all, this is Lester. And um, so we're, we're there, and we're standing, and, and the uh, pastor, he introduces him, and he comes up to the pulpit, and he stands there and basically bores holes through everybody staring at him, you know? <clears throat> and you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, it's kind of weird, but, you know, whatever. And uh, so we're waiting, and he said, uh, <laughs> he said, don't ever be afraid of change, only it was a lot louder than that. I mean, it was like booming, you know. Of course, everybody's, you know, like this, you know, wondering what in the world is coming next. And he says, because most people never do it. 
Then he went on to preach this thing about change, change in your life. How many of you know God? The Bible talks about going from glory to glory and from faith to faith. And it certainly isn't because, well, I've reached a certain age and now, you know, everything's over. Nothing could be further from the truth. Some of the greatest things that people accomplish in their lives was done when they were in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And so, praise God, it's important for us as believers to know that He is a miracle-working God, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that we're available. Everybody say, I'm available. You got to be available, you know. You say, well, I'm available. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll see. Praise the Lord. Because availability is everything. This guy, I mentioned Lester, he didn't have a choice. It was either hell or the Bible. Well, you know, thank God he was smart enough to make the right one, huh? You know, we never think about things in that term, in those terms. But um, I appreciate the fact that um, Hannah Shady is here with us today. Because I don't know everything about her story, but I know that she, she made some choices. And they were difficult ones. And yet she said yes. Everybody say yes. And, and what a difference that she is making, and you'll hear from her in a moment. You say, well, Pastor, you're taking a lot of time. Hey, it's my church. I get to do what I want, you know, glory to God. <clears throat> you're going to get to hear from her. And she'll tell you a little bit about her story and what it is that she's doing and things of that nature. God's doing some incredible things in the world, you guys. We've got to be a part of this. We can't be sitting around, you know, being judgmental, cynical, you know, critical, all of that. We, we just need to be about the Father's business, man, and find a place where we can get in and make a difference because he's coming again. You know, whether people believe it or not, the Bible's true. You know, when, it, when Jesus talked about the parable of the sower, everything that he said in that parable is absolutely true. He said this is the function and the operation of the kingdom of God. And you got all these different kinds of people that receive the same seed or the same word, but they all respond to it differently. And so now you're faced with a decision, how will I respond? What part of this am I going to be a participant in? Hallelujah. And what a wonderful thing when we give him everything. Amen? When we follow him. So um, let me talk to you for a minute um, uh, about something I have with, on my heart. And then I'm going to introduce her. She's going to share. And then I'm going to talk to you again. You say, well, that could take a while. Well, you, you spent all this time coming here anyway. You might as, we might as well get it all. Amen. Well, no, 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 no. That's no. I just, I, you know, I, I need to go to church. You know, I need to be a good Christian, you know. So I was just going to go to church. And so I'm kind of hoping, you know, that be short because then I can say I did what I was supposed to do and, and you know, move on down the road. Well, guess what, Bubba? The motive of your being here, I hope, is beyond that. Because we're here to honor him, the king. And not only that, but to hear from him. Amen? So if it takes a little bit longer, I know it might crowd your schedule. But let's think about who it is that we're talking about here. Amen? Thanks for your enthusiasm. You know, I am getting some nods, so I'm hopeful, you know. But, you know, one of the things I was praying, and I'll get there, but 
I was praying this week. Actually, it was on Wednesday night. We were praying before the service. Hallelujah. And we were praying about the church, praying for you, and different things of that nature. And, uh, and I heard the Spirit of God basically say, you know, when I, when I deal with people, I go there. There. That's where I go. I go there. You know what there is? That means he goes right to the core of who you are and what you're all about and what's going on in your life. The place that we hide most of the time from people. And he just spoke to my heart and he says, I want you to start going there. Because the reality is, you guys, is I can, I can give you, you know, all kinds of flowery kinds of statements and things, you know, and whatever, and it will do you no good. I can fill your head full of knowledge and it will do you no good. But if I introduce you to the one who's able to make a change from the inside out, he'll take care of the jealousy. He'll take care of the hatred. He'll take care of the pride. He'll work right there to deal with the issues that you're dealing with. Because people are so often frustrated about, you know, the lifelessness of their life. And it's because they hide things from him. Am I in the right spot? And so, um, <clears throat> you know, you, there, there has to be an openness of your heart to him. You know, you, you ought to just regularly unpeel your heart. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean, in your own private devotion, I mean, like even on a weekly basis, you ought to just, you know, it's not in a meeting, it's not at church, it's not, you know, some study or some small group, but just you. And you unpeel your heart and let him talk to you. Because he wants to do amazing things in your life. Are you with me? But the crazy, not crazy, but the amazing nature of our Father is, is that he'll never push you beyond uh, what you're willing to do. He'll show it to you. He'll, he'll open up your eyes and he'll say, uh, uh, what about this here? Hallelujah. So anyway, I'll just leave that hanging out there for a minute. Y'all still glad you came? I want to talk to you. Allow me for just a moment to share with you about our attitude. And, and I want to couch it within the context of our attitude in giving. Now, you know, the thing about when, when the preacher starts talking about giving... Everybody gets nervous. So I want you to just relax. Everybody say relax. Yeah, because I'm not after nothing. All right? I just want to talk to you. And I'm going to talk to you in the context of my desire to, to help you and to bless you. That's it. I'm not after anything. I just want to tell you what I know. And, and if you uh, agree, then hallelujah. You can, you can move forward. But, but, but the Bible makes it clear about our attitude in giving. You're familiar with the portion of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, every man according as he purposes in his heart. Every man according as he 
purposes within his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly. nor of necessity. And then he goes on to say, because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. So in other words, he's talking about people who have a desire from their hearts, you know, to want to give. Everybody say want to give. So, so if you don't want to give, that's okay. Okay. I mean, it's not okay, but it's okay. You know, because at least, you know, that's, that's where you are. The New uh, Living Translation says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, you know, Joan and I, we've been, we've been practicing tithing and giving, um, you know, that way um, since we learned about the concept. I would say... You know, probably at the tender age of maybe 19, 20 years old, we started giving. This was even before we were married. We learned this, this principle of tithing. And um, our motive, now remember, I'm talking about our attitudes, okay? So, so hear what I'm saying. Our motive in participating in this form of worship, and that really is what it is. You know, it wasn't driven by wasn't driven by guilt if we didn't. Nor, you know, was it even, it wasn't even giving to get. You know, a lot of times you'll hear messages that encourage people in their participation because if you, the Bible says give and it'll be given to you. So biblically, that's, that's very sound in, in the context. But, but when she and I started at, at this young age of tithing, it wasn't, it wasn't for either of those reasons. We had learned something, and um, our participation was simply uh, driven by our wanting to obey. That was it. You know, in other words, we were all in. And the reason we were all in is because we were, uh, well... Jesus gave everything on a cross for us. And when he did that, it changed our lives forever. I mean, the guilt of sin was gone. The weight of all of the condemnation was gone. And he was alive within our hearts. And so you say, yeah, but you know, you're a preacher. I wasn't a preacher back then, Bubba. I was just a common air person just like everybody else, just, you know, working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. And I discovered the principle. And as, as did she, I mean, we were both taught. We just said, we're in. And, um, well, it changed our lives. And we were armed with the understanding and the knowledge that Jesus, listen, willingly laid down his life for us. And so that's what drove the whole thing, okay? If he was willing to do that, at the very least, we could do this. It's a small thing. And so we've been participating in it for now over 40 years. We had the privilege one time to give a one-time gift of nearly $70,000. And I say that not because I want you to know what my giving practices are. I want you to know that because... 
when we were 19 and 20, we were obeying God all along. And he said that if you give, it'll be given to you. And it positioned us on a given uh, time within our life, an opportunity to do something hugely significant. Never done anything like that before. But our goal now, you know, is see if we can give 100 at once. Wouldn't that be cool to give $100,000 in one little fell swoop? You say, well, I don't even know what that looks like. Well, you know, praise God, you always got to start somewhere. Are you listening to me? Yes, it was exceptional. Yes, it was um, uh, very, um, uh, the circumstance um, brought that about. But here's the thing, you guys. We never for one moment thought, wow, that is a lot of money. You know what we could do with that? We could do a lot of things with that. Any of you ever heard that before? <laughs> we all have. But not for a moment did we entertain it. Because you, you, know, you just can never outgive God. You say, you're taking a long time for the offering. Yes, I am. Amen. But again, remember, the reason I, I wanted to initiate this with you is to teach you and to help you, right? I, I don't care, you know, at the end of this, whatever it is that you decide to do, that's your deal, you know? But I know that um, many of you um, participate and you do it for the right reasons, with the right heart, the right motive, and all that. And I'm not suggesting that any of the rest of you don't. All I'm attempting to do is tell you this is, this is how we moved into this practice. And there were challenging times. When we went to school, uh, when, when we got married and went to school, uh, we had very little income. She worked doing Avon, and, and I worked at a lumber yard, you know, I've told you before, making 400 bucks a month. Well, of course, that was a long time ago, you know. But that still wasn't very much money. And so you take $40 out of 400 that leaves 360 last time I checked. And it, it, it was pretty tight. We suffered, you know. Uh, we suffered a lot. But, but the reality was is we weren't willing to give it up because we knew that if we would obey him, that better days were coming. The Apostle Paul talked about it. He says, you know, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. And so we did a lot of abasing. You know, and even when, we, even when we started the church, there was still a bunch of obeying. you know, but we moved along and thank God, you know, there came a day when we had an opportunity to abound. Are you listening to me? So, and principally, that's the way it works for everybody. How many of you believe that? How many of you are still thinking about it? How many of you aren't sure? Okay, well, stay with me for a little bit. You know, I guess at the end of the day, we had just experienced his freedom in such a real way. Oh, it was amazing. So when we read this stuff in the Word, we just said, well, you know what? We're in. Praise God. And not only that, but we'd come to know him personally, intimately. You know, and when you know somebody closely, uh, you know, there's just no getting away from that. Are you with me? And so he'll talk to you. Now, <clears throat> um, and... You know, even though it was hard, it was easy for us to do that because that's what drove us. Now, I've, t I've shared this story with, with you before, some of you at least, but when I was, uh, we were just getting married, and uh, we were going to be married in August. This would have been probably in July. I went to a meeting uh, that Kenneth Copeland was holding over on uh, uh, 42nd and Grover, I think. I think Holiday Inn or somebody owned it at the time. 
went to this meeting. I wasn't a big Copelandite, you know, I wasn't a big follower necessarily of him. But I was in this meeting because, praise God, I appreciated the word of faith. I was probably a dozen rows back on a flat floor, you know, sitting in a chair and came offering time. Kenneth was talking about what they were doing and the ministry, you know, um, different outreaches and things of this nature. And, and so he's about to receive this offering. And, and uh, I heard the Lord. This was a test. Everybody say a test. Okay. Now, bear in mind, God didn't need this money. Okay. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills too. Okay. This was a test. And um, so I'm sitting there, and he said, uh, I want you to give him $150. And I'm telling you what, you guys, I mean, my, my head was swirling because I only had $156 in my checking account. And we were getting ready to be married. And, you know, money was tight. Everybody say tight. Yeah, it was tight. And so I'm sitting there. Kenneth is drawing down to, he's going to, you know, start passing the bucket. And I'm having an argument. Have any of you ever had an argument? I'm having a big time argument. I say, God, you know, and, and, and so in that whole wrestling match, they, they finally, they prayed. I'm still, you know, I, I didn't hear anything about the prayer, you know, and they got done. They started passing the buckets. And I just kept hearing the Spirit of God whisper to me, give it all. Give everything. Give it all. And so, you know, finally, you know, some people would say, well, you know, that probably wasn't the wisest thing you ever did. Well, you know what? I never missed much of a meal after that. Somehow or another, it all came about. And I finally, I cut the check for 150 bucks through it in the offering. Now, I obeyed. But here's what I want you to understand in the context of that. Remember, the Bible says, give and it'll be given to you. A lot of times it doesn't necessarily manifest itself in a monetary kind of way, although it did. But for me, what came was a revelation from heaven that changed my life forever when it comes to how I thought about money. Because I, I don't know, it might have been a week or so after that, I was in my living room, I was reading a book. It was entitled, How to achieve your goals by walking with God. It was written by a guy by the name of Joe Rose. And I'm reading this book, and I come across a verse of Scripture, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, that says, Come to me, all you that labor are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, uh, for I'm meek and lowly of heart, you'll find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now, I can't really explain to you what happened in that moment, but God showed up in my living room. Now, the reason I share this with you is, is I don't think God would have showed up in my living room if I hadn't have been obedient to do what he said with 150 bucks. Didn't mean that he didn't love me. You just got to pass the tests. You know, how many of you know God wants everything? You say, well, that's not fair. Well, you got to realize everything you have, he gave to you. You don't own it. You're not taking it with you. Are you listening to me? Hmm. So he gave me this revelation in that moment, and um, supernaturally, for, for the sake of time, supernaturally proved himself in the following week in the business that I was in. Because I was a canvasser for a siding company. I'd go out and get leads for the salesman to 
go on and try to sell the siding. And uh, I knew that a seven-hour day would represent anywhere from two to five decent leads. And the Lord challenged me in that moment while I was there. He said, okay, pick a number. And I said, well, now, Lord, you know, no, pick a number. What's the number going to be? And I said, okay, uh, 70 leads in the next week or five days. So I went to my employer and I told them, and they were believers, but they weren't believing this, okay, (laughs) because they knew. And they said, well, yeah, whatever. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'll have 70 quality leads by the end of this week for you. And I was in Fremont, Nebraska. And and, uh, so I went out, and I'm telling you guys, it was supernatural. People almost met me at the door. Usually when they see me at the door, they go to the back of the house. You with me? Oh, you know, we've been talking about this. Yeah, we'd like to. And I'd come with seven or eight. One day I came with 10. By the end of the week, I had 68 leads. You say, well, I thought you said you'd had 70. Well, as it turned out, I gave them this 68 leads. I resigned as the person working there. She and I, glory to God, went off and got married. Hallelujah. And we always did these door hangers, and, you know, we put a couple of them on. Two came in. Now, that's supernatural. You say, would God do that for me? Absolutely. He would do that for you. And there was, there's so much more to that story that I could tell you about. It was a continuing kind of a developing thing that happened in my life or our lives, you know, really, um, over a period of, of a few years. But it was life-changing, and it was all because, and, and here's the thing I want you to understand about this. I'm not suggesting that we have to do things that we don't have a heart to do or the Lord doesn't tell us to do. He said, I want you to give not of necessity or because of a bunch of arm twisting. And you see that a lot of times, you know, in offerings, uh, that's exactly what's, what's, what's going on. You read about in the early church, you know, about their possessions. I'll read real quickly with you. And a multitude of them believed that were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his, was his own, but they had all things common. Well, if we're really going to be a New Testament church, then maybe we should do that. Okay? You know, when you start talking like that, people go, whoa, 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 whoa. Because there are a lot of people in the church that are still growing, but they're lazy. They don't want to work. They want a hand out, not a hand up. Okay? I'm not talking about any of you. We're talking about the people who aren't here today, right? You know, so that'll make it easier for you. You know? <laughs> it says, Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and bought the prices of the things that were sold. And they laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribu- uh, distribution was made to every man according as he had need. Now, here's the point that I want to make, because a lot of times we read that, we say, well, that's what, you know, you you can't have anything, you know. I mean, because after all, if you really love the Lord, you need to be giving it to the church or giving it to somebody, you know, and so on and so forth. But that's not at all what was said here. 
You have to understand that what these people were doing was voluntary. It wasn't, nobody was coercing them, nobody was forcing them to do it, it was voluntary. Are you listening to me? In other words, what I'm saying is, is that there was something in their heart that God prompted them to do the things that they were doing so that they could really help the poor and the needy. Barnabas was one of them. He sold a piece of property, brought it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But then we had Ananias and Sapphira. Remember those two knotheads? Huh? Yeah, they brought the same thing, but here's the difference. They weren't doing it because God had prompted them. They did it because they wanted to be seen of men. And they said, you know, we're, we're, we've sold this property and whatever, and, and we're giving it. Look at us. Well, the Spirit of God told off on them. And so Ananias, well, was it, yeah, was he the first one to go? Yeah, I believe it was. You know, <laughs> and the Spirit of God says, why have you thought within your heart to lie against the Holy Ghost? And he dropped dead. Then she came in and he said, did you guys, did you sell this money for, or sell this property for so much? She said, yep. And she found herself in the same place. So, so you say, well, what do you make of that? It was because of lying. They were liars. How many of you know God doesn't take too kindly to liars? You say, wow, this is a different service. Yeah, I'd say it was. But it'll help us. Remember, he said, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude here, but let's talk about the rich young ruler. Remember him? He comes to him and he says, good master, what must I do to be saved? He says, well, you call me good. All of a sudden, Jesus, you know, his antennas went up right away. He thought, uh-oh, we got something going on here. He says, you know the commandments. He said, do this, do this, do this, and do this. He says, I've done them all. And so the Bible says, the young man said, all these things if I kept from my youth, what do I lack? And Jesus said, well, you know, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, if you want to, you want to get this whole thing, you know, uh, ironed out the way that you should, then go and sell what you have and give it to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. In other words, Jesus said, give it all away, and come with me. Well, the Bible says, when the young man heard these sayings, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. In other words, he couldn't do it. You say, well, that was kind of mean of Jesus, wasn't it? <clears throat> no. The guy asked him, what do I need to do? And the point that you need to understand was, is that Jesus was reading the man's heart. Wasn't all this out here. He was reading his heart, his mindset. Remember, I'm talking, I'm talking to you about your attitude when it comes to your giving and things. And, and as a result, you know, and please understand, Jesus wasn't standing there and <laughs> saying, listen, this is what you need to do. I want you to get rid of everything and prove that you love me. That wasn't it at all. He knew that the guy's heart was in what he had instead of in being or receiving or following Jesus. Isn't that right? He couldn't do it. You know, and that's when he said, you know, it's really hard for a rich person to go through the eye of the needle, you know, and so on and so forth, and said some other things. Why? Because money gets a hold of us. Greed, the Bible talks about covetousness, 
please, you guys, learn to handle money lightly and carefully. Are you with me? And, and again, now, listen, if you know the Lord is talking to you about doing something, then obey him. You'll be blessed. Are you with me? You know, in, in Deuteronomy, the Lord was talking to uh, the people. And he said, uh, said, I want you to be careful not to forget. You know, when you get into your goodly houses and, you know, life's good and you got cattle running around all over the place. Now, we don't have cattle running around, but you got the point, you know. In other words, when you have something, he says, don't forget that to remember the Lord your God because it is he that gives you the power to get wealth because he wants to establish his covenant with you. Amen. So everybody say it together. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've given me. Thank you, Lord, for being such a blessing in my life. Lord Jesus, I want to obey you. So help me to have a heart and an attitude that is pleasing to you. Hallelujah. Again, he said, let every man according as he's purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly nor of necessity, because again, God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work, as it is written. And he says, now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So I tell you what, praise God, isn't it a privilege to run down this road together with God on this adventure that he has for us? And when he says, hey, I want you to go and I want you to do this. I want you to be a blessing to this person. You know, right here, right now, in this moment, I want you, you know, Nelson, bam, right here, right now. You know, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I've heard it said. I probably would have believed this. It's more blessed to give than to receive because you got it. Huh? When you don't have it, you can't do it. But when you got it, praise God, you can be a blessing. Open up your hearts to God's possibilities in these days and weeks ahead. And I'm not, you know, it just follow him. Lord, what would you have me to do? Are you listening to me? My wife... I tell you what, she is so good at this, but she is in the habit of sensing a need in somebody's life, and she'll go up and give it to them, you know? Isn't that great? And all of a sudden, it's just like that, that woman last week. You know, I had no intentions whatsoever of taking up no offering for that girl, and I don't know that much about her background, but God does. And, you know, it doesn't mean that she's done everything perfectly. Uh, she's probably made all kinds of mistakes. But that's just the mercy and the grace of God. Aren't you glad for his mercy and grace in your life? Because we've all been knotheads. Huh? Sometime or another, spent too much, did, you know, whatever. But I tell you, it was so wonderful for all of us. And I want to thank you. I don't know what it was, but she got blessed. And I went up to her afterwards and I said, now, now listen, gal. You're responsible for this. God has given this to you to be a steward of. So use it wisely. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, all, all mean and anything of that nature. It's just, you know, ask him about how you're supposed to 
manage this and be blessed by it so that it can help. How many of you know God wants to help us? Amen. Amen. So wonderful. So we're going to receive our morning offering. The ushers are coming. They're standing in an aisle somewhere. Nelson, you going to do that? Come on, get up. Move a little faster. There you go. I know you're older. You're not old. No. Nah. Was it, uh, Rosie, that your dad always says? Uh, don't let him in? Don't let the old man in. And he's what? 96. Yeah, he's down in Texas. You know, and they're, they're talking about, you know, tr- uh, needs for transportation, getting back. So I just drive back. You know? I said, Dad. You know, he's clear down in South Texas someplace. You know, it's like, uh, you know, just don't let it in. Isn't that right? John, isn't that right? Let's see, uh, uh, Terry, isn't that right? See, I'm looking for open. Hey, George, isn't that right? George just turned 86. Give him a great big hand. Last week, amen, 86, you know, and uh, he says, yeah, I'm having to exercise more now. I said, God bless you. He says, yeah, if you don't exercise, things don't work. (laughs) So there you go. Great advice. Hallelujah. You know the drill. You can text to give. Um, You can also uh, give online. You can also give uh, uh, a check. And uh, let's obey God this morning. Amen. Just bow your heads with me for a moment and let's pray. Father, we're so grateful. I've taken an inordinate amount of time here today, Father, because I felt as though this was something you wanted me to do. We're living in the last days, God, and I know that you want each and every person here and even those that are watching online to be participants in the advancement of your kingdom in these last days to reach the world in which we live with this gospel. So I just want to thank you for everyone's obedience. I thank you, Lord God, for the the things you've placed within our hearts that make us be able to give cheerfully. And Father God, help us to always keep our, our heart and our attitude right when it comes to our giving, Father God. And I just thank you for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, go ahead and bring the buckets, if you would, please. Okay. Praise God. How many of you think that might have been worth something? Okay, good. Praise the Lord. It's awesome. It'll help you going forward. I believe God wants to use our church and the people in it, to be a conduit. And, and I'll probably talk more about this because the church, you know, she, uh, she suffers from uh, a poverty mentality in, 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 in many ways. And, and uh, we want to we address that. We want to fix that because, you know, uh, the Bible says that he gives us all things richly to enjoy. Amen? And, and so I think as we move down the road here, we'll, we'll do that. And uh, because <clears throat> it's like uh, Joe Morris made the statement one time, it's so true. He said, if, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. And that's true. Praise God. So we pass all these tests and away we go and it's great. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, back in 19, well, actually last week, did you know last week? Um, uh, Hannah was supposed to be here, but we had a conflict. But um, last week was the uh, weekend that 
celebrates the sanctity of human life. And uh, it's actually on the 22nd, I think Sunday would have been the 23rd. And, um, and it, that all occurred back in 1984, for those of you that want a little bit of a history, uh, history lesson. Uh, Ronald Reagan, our president, issued a proclamation designating January the 22nd as the sanctity of human life. And it coincided with the Supreme Court decision to legalize abortion about 10 or 11 years before that. Aren't you glad for presidents like that? How many of you like to have old President Reagan back? That'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? Yeah. But thank God he did this. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, with, with everything that happened where our government and Planned Parenthood and all this other nonsense, you know, um, they made a machine out of it. And I could go into the details of all of that, but we won't uh, take the time to do it. But we have someone with us today, uh, Hannah uh, Shady, that's the, actually the executive director of Life Care Clinics, or LC Clinics. There's one in Stewart, there's one in uh, uh, Creston, and soon to be there will be one in Atlantic. And that's where we kind of actually, Pastor Brian got acquainted with her, uh, stopped, I don't even know how that all turned out. But anyway, we found out that they were uh, putting this clinic together and there was a bunch of remodeling that had to be done. And, and so, uh, I t- well, actually, uh, Pastor Brian asked me, he said, we, we need to do something, we need to help these people, you know. And uh, so um, we got involved and we threw some money at them and they burned that up right away. <laughs> and then we decided, and then we actually hired uh, uh, some contractors to help with some of the remodeling and things of that nature. And, and um, so we did that. And it's really been our privilege to be able to partner with them uh, now for uh, uh, some time. And so um, we regularly are helping uh, Hannah and her family. She's got, you got four children? Four yeah, four boys. Hallelujah. And uh, so we, we partnered with her personally to help her because um, the reality is is that um, they have a limited budget as far as the uh, clinic is concerned, uh, but we just felt like that uh, this was something that we wanted to do for her. So every month uh, we're doing that because we believe in what she's doing. And we not only believe in what she's doing, but we need people. You know, it's amazing. She'll tell you a story. I mean, this was not what she had planned for life at all. But you know, God sometimes can have different plans for us. Amen. So how many of you would like to hear from her? Okay, would you come please? Praise the Lord. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I told myself I wasn't going to cry, and then he starts saying stuff, and it is an honor and a privilege to stand before you today to share with you about the clinic, LC Clinic. I get asked a lot, what is LC Clinic? And we are a pregnancy medical clinic. But that's not where our story began. And I always pray before I go and speak anytime. Hundreds of places all over the state of Iowa. Thousands of people. I still don't like it. I told Pastor that Wednesday. I'm an introvert. Uh, And so I pray, God, what do you want me to talk about? What is the word that you want me to touch on? And he gave me one word, which was transformation. And I hope as I share with you the transformation that has taken place in the ministry, physically and spiritually, you will come to have a better understanding of who we are and what it is that we do. 
So our story began um, in 2012, at least the ministry side. We opened our doors in March of 2012. We'll be celebrating 10 years, glory to God, for all that he has done. But we didn't start as a pregnancy medical clinic. We started with a group of people, a steering committee, that had a vision cast from God um, to help women and men in our communities that were struggling. When we opened the clinic, we had to fundraise for two years before we were able to purchase a building, get a loan on a building, actually, in Stewart. And we began as a pregnancy resource center. We did not offer any medical services at that time. What we did was offer parenting classes. So the diapers that you guys have in the foyer is directly tied to that, and I'll talk a, lot, a little bit about our services, too. Going into kind of that second year, we really prayed about, what do you want from us, God? And I always tell people the same thing. Be careful when you pray that prayer to God because he's always moving and he's always ready to move. And it's us that sit in our lazy boy recliners and don't want to move. We're comfy. You know, we're complacent. And, and so um, we began converting into a medical clinic. We were begin, um, beginning to offer services, medical services. So what we offer now to the community which all of our services are free and confidential, is pregnancy testing, STI testing, limited obstetric ultrasound. We had to start throwing the word obstetric in there because one time we had a guy not very long ago come in and want us to perform an ultrasound on his kidneys. Um, he thought he had some kidney stones, and so we said, well, that's kind of outside the scope of our practice, but we will find you the help that you need. The most important thing um, that I could ever share about LC Clinic is that we are a ministry. We have this really pretty logo <clears throat> that we worked really hard. You know, branding is important. You guys know that. Um, and at the beginning uh, or at the center of our pinwheel is a circle. And that's where the center of this ministry is all about Jesus. It is all about glorifying him, being ambassadors for Christ, not just saying that we're going to do these things, but get out and help the people in our community meet people exactly where they're at. So going into our third year as we're beginning to offer medical services, we once again prayed that prayer, Lord, what do you want for us? What do you want from us? What do you want us to do? And we felt like he was saying we, he wanted us to expand. So we talk about transformation. I grew up um, kind of all over the place, but we settled in Creston. And... There was a Planned Parenthood in Creston for a lot of years that performed telemed abortions. There's still people in Creston that don't believe that that ever really happened in our town. But I grew up around Creston, and so it's kind of what I would consider to be my hometown. There's a college in that town, a community college. People come from all over. It has a, an amazing nursing program, an amazing music program. And um, we knew that Planned Parenthood had been there for a long time. I visited with Pastor a little bit and said, I remember being in middle school and Planned Parenthood coming and... Um, and so when we started looking at places in Creston and we prayed about it, the Lord led us to a building. So story about transformation. When we first learned about this building, we knew all the secrets that it probably housed, all of the heartbreak, all of the trauma that was taking place within those walls. But God says, what the enemy meant for evil, I will use for good. And God is the God of transformation. He is the God of restoration. We opened our doors in clinic, in the clinic in Creston, in a former Planned Parenthood building. Praise God. 
It made national news, which I was not at all prepared for. We were only the second building at the time, life-affirming ministry, to go into a former abortion clinic. So there were people from all over the United States conducting interviews, and we had people in our own hometown that were very much supportive of Planned Parenthood and did not at all want us to be there. It was the middle of the summer, and we're, it's, you know, Iowa summers, right? (laughs) So hot and humid. And we had people, this is before I was ever on social media, so I was, didn't know what Facebook was, didn't know about any of these things. I'm a dinosaur, like, I'm an old soul. I still handwrite thank you cards to people, okay? Handwrite letters, I'm just an old school person. And I had people saying to me um, that it had made the news, and that people were not happy with us, and they were going to come out, and they were going to do this, and they were going to do that. And are you afraid? And I said, absolutely not. We know what we're doing. And so what's going to happen, Hannah, if those people come out here and they start picketing or they start vandalizing? Like, we're going to walk out there and we're going to meet them with God's truth and God's love. We know who we are. We know what God has called us to do. And if we're ambassadors for Christ, how could we respond in any other way than to show them love and to help them understand who we really are? We have no ulterior motive. Um, You know, that is who we are as a ministry. So what we offer now to the community and what we began offering in Creston as the word kind of got out was a continuation of the services that we began. So we still do the parenting program. We now do STI testing and treatment. Um, We also have a very unique program. Something that we, we worked really hard the last few years to build on is our men's ministry. Um, we are living in a broken world that has an identity crisis. We are trying to find our identity in all of the things of this world. The clients that come into our building have no idea what their true identity is as a child of God. They need some direction. They need some help. They need someone to meet them in the middle of wherever they're at, whatever they're going through, and minister to them in a way that only the Holy Spirit can do. Just like you said, Pastor, God knows them. He, he numbered the hairs on their head. He knows exactly where they've been. He knows exactly where they're going. And no matter where they're at, they are never too far gone. That's the hope that we want to offer to our clients. We can offer them practical help. We can help them with diapers and wipes and STI testing and ultrasounds. What we really want to do in the core of who we are is to share Jesus with them. When we started praying that dangerous prayer, Lord, what do you want out of this ministry? What do you want us to do next? He said, it's bigger than this. And I knew right then the two words he gave me were patience and perseverance, and nobody likes to hear those two words. I'm like, oh no, Lord, what are we going to do? We started experiencing looking into expansion in the Atlantic community. We looked at purchasing land. We had toured a few different buildings. And each time the team, the new team around me, I was trying to get them invigorated and they kept saying, she's lost her mind, she's crazy. Her same answer every time is, we don't need to know God's gonna do it. We know God and that's all that matters. That's exactly what he did. He does, he makes a way when there is no way. And so, We stepped foot into a building, and I knew immediately that that's exactly where God wanted us to be. The people that were with me looked around, and they're like, this is a little scary. 
I mean, there was stuff thrown everywhere. There was trash. Um, and so that's where the transformation comes in. Because when we invite Jesus to live in our hearts, it's full of junk. It's full of stuff that's useless, but we hold on to it, and we think we're justified into holding on to it. And so that's what God sees when he looks inside of us. He sees this beautiful child that he has created that he is going to transform and make into something completely different than we ever thought or imagined. We began the cleanup. We purchased that building in the summer of 2020. And so now I get asked different questions like, are you guys really going to open? What's going on over there? We are going to open. The transformation is taking place in that building. Just as Pastor said with... um, the construction side of things, but the transformation inside the ministry, the transformation in our clients' lives. Um, I wrote a newsletter, which is out there, and it talks about uh, just the transformation that Jesus does, that we see people every day that come into the clinics, and they are weary. They are worn out. They have been used and abused by people and things of this world, and they are exhausted. And so we want to share with them that whatever has happened, whatever reason they come into the clinic for, that God can minister to them exactly where they're at. And I would say, too, that when I was younger, I used to look at pastors and people with this great admiration, which I still do. But I used to put them on a pedestal and think, ministry life is just for people that are perfect, that have had beautiful, perfect upbringings. Um, And then God said, "I, I really don't know much at all, do I? The people that God uses are people that were broken, the people that minister best. We use a phrase around the clinic, rivers and reservoirs. We're not reservoirs. God made us to be like rivers. He wants to flow through all of those cracks, be used, using us as vessels so that he can show the world who he is. And he always shows up. He's always on time. He always ministers exactly where we need him to, to exactly the person that needs to hear it. The most important tool we have in the clinic is allowing the Holy Spirit to be sitting in that counseling room across from that client. We want to make sure that we reinvigorize them with hope because we live in a world that is hopeless. One of the things that we offer to the men and women that come through our doors is an abortion recovery support group. We have facilitators that lead that. So for a man or woman that's made that experience or walked through that experience, we want them to know that there's freedom that there's healing. And as God's church, I wish we could do a better job of that rather than passing judgment or saying things that I've heard even in my own congregation. I don't know how anybody could do that. Well, thank God you don't have to make that decision. But when they come back to us, and they do come back to us, I'd like to sit here and tell you that The gift of ultrasound has been an amazing gift, and it has, but it doesn't always mean that that person's going to walk out and choose life for that baby. But what happens after? How do we be Christ after they have left that center, 
after they've had one, three, five abortions, and they're coming back to us and saying, this is the only place that I knew to go. This is the only place that I knew I was going to find love. It's not because we're wonderful, great people and wonderful, great counselors. It's because the counselor lives in us, and he uses his words in his time to bring them the things that they need. I cannot thank you enough for the support that has come our way. I'm kind of a big ball baby, so um, I don't want to talk too much about that. But know that you are making a difference in the lives of the people in your community. We have all sorts of wonderful missions and ministries. And so what I tell people when I go and speak in small town Iowa, I tell them, don't stop supporting those wonderful missions and ministries. But God has blessed us with this tremendous opportunity to support a mission in our own backyard. Big cities, you know, they, they have so much more. I go and I sit at these meetings with my peers of, of centers that have million-dollar budgets, you know. And it's the people that are left in the gap. The people in rural Iowa, that we have the same problems. Sin is sin, you know. So it doesn't, the things that we think happen just in the big cities, those don't happen around small town Iowa. They do. And so what I would pray for you today is to pray for God to give you eyes like his, to see those broken hearts that are around you, and to know that if God can use a poor little girl from a trailer park with no running water, he has great plans to use you for his purposes. Thank you guys so much for your time. I will be here if you have any questions, and we have tons of literature out there. Uh, so thank you very much. Thank you. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? You know, and the wonderful thing about, um, the thing I guess that I want to emphasize in talking about this is uh, Hannah is a very unsuspecting person who God whispered to, and she said, okay, you know, very real, you know, and you can talk uh, more with her about that, but, you know, you, you just can't ever um, despise the day of small beginnings, and what a thing, you know, they started in Stewart, didn't you, then they went to Creston, and now they're working on this thing in Atlantic, and so uh, please, um, uh, stop by the table there. She's got some information, things of that nature. It could be that, uh, you know, I don't know, like for some of you, uh, maybe you don't mind the drive or whatever, but the Atlantic Clinic, uh, you may be able to partner with them. Maybe there's training that you could do. You could get involved and, and all of these different kinds of things. You can visit with her about that. But um, God wants us to be engaged, amen? You know, and, and the thing about what she was talking about, and I, I just love the fact that they're getting in these five to eight and a half, maybe 10,000 um, uh, population towns and, and touching people's lives. I mean, it's awesome. We have uh, a sure, you know, that's in Council Bluffs and Omaha, particularly in Omaha. And um, they're doing uh, amazing things uh, where pro-life is concerned and helping, 
you know, uh, these mothers navigate uh, through a very difficult time in their lives, and men, I'm sure, as well. But the cool thing about it is, is uh, um, uh, Jesus is, is being exalted, and that's what's really cool. You know, conversion, uh, transformation, people being changed. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's things in our lives, you know this, you guys, there's some things in our lives we do we can't undo. You know, but thank God there's mercy and there's grace uh, with him so that we can go forward. So um, I, I feel like I want to take an offering for this girl. And uh, you say, well, we just got done with one. I know it. And you say, well, you just got, you, you did that last week. Yeah, I know it. You know, so I just want you to know that you're not under any obligation. So if you feel that you can't, that's fine. It's, it's totally okay. You know, um, but if you can, I just, I want to do this uh, to help her in what they're doing. And, and here's the reason why, you know, there are challenges and battles that people fight um, that a lot of times we don't know anything about. And they, um, and it can be very wearisome and, and, um, and tired and, and wanting to, you know, just quit. But, you know, if somebody comes along and says, hey, I want to breathe a breath of fresh air into your life right here, right now, and I want to help you so that you can continue, wouldn't you like to be a part of that? And so that's, that's what this whole thing is about to help this girl. Uh, she's not a girl. She's actually a lady. But, you know, I'm older now, you know. And blah, 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 blah. So anyway, um, so here's what you can do. Um, um, can they text to give and say special? Okay. And so if you want to do that, if that's your form of doing so, you can. If you want to make out a check, you can make it out to Fellowship Church because once we do our accounting here in the next couple of days, we'll just send one check to uh, her. And um, like I said, not grudgingly nor of necessity, God loves a cheerful giver. But if you want to get behind uh, this uh, ministry and what it is that they're doing, this affords you that opportunity. So... Um, <clears throat> Uh, does anyone need an envelope? Usually, you know, you can grab them out of the back of the pews there, but if anybody needs one, just raise your hand. We'll serve you with that. How many are glad you came today? Well, it was a little bit different, you know, but that's all right. Variety is the spice of life, right? Amen. And um, so it's important. Praise God. All right. Would you pray with me? You know what? Uh, let's do this. Let's just, just do this different. Come here, Hannah. I'd just like for you to stand here and face that way. Honey, would you come up? Everybody, let's stand for just a minute. We're going to pray for her. Be all right with you? Absolutely. Amen. Praise God. Stretch your hands out toward this gal. Father, we want to lift Hannah up to you. And not only that, Father God, but, but her family, her children, her husband, and those that surround her, Father God, within this ministry team, um, that LC Clinic has become. And Father God, as we pray for her right now, we just thank you for your grace upon her. Yes, strength, Father God. Yes, patience, as she spoke of, Father God. Endurance to continue on. Vision, Father God. Yes, yes. And an endowment of the Spirit of God upon her. Yes, 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 yes to fight through doubt, to fight through unbelief, to fight through discouragement. And Father, to fight through that which threatens and comes her way, Father God. 
And I just thank you, Lord God, for marvelous, wonderful things, sending people supernaturally to these clinics so they can be helped. And Father, that their lives may be blessed. And so as we, as we give in this offering, Father, I want to thank you for every participant. That, Father God, as you have graced their lives, that they can so help and serve as a conduit uh, to, for the continuance of what it is that you've ordained. And we just thank you for your blessing in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.